Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy right. on a nuclear-free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm Michaela and today on the program we've got a couple of special guests. Dr Jim Green, the National Nuclear Free Campaigner with Friends of the Earth and he's going to be bringing us some updates on the state of play for the nuclear industry around the world and campaign news and events from around the country as well. And later up on the show, we'll have Sue Coleman-Hasseldean. She's Guguth Mula, and our regular listeners would be really familiar with her amazing work, not only working to protect her country, but also travelling the world, uh, talking about the impacts of nuclear weapons testings um, in South Australia and the ongoing campaign for justice and also to get a global nuclear weapons ban. So um, that will be in the second half of the show. So we'll go to a song now and, um, yeah, I'll come back with uh, Dr. Jim Green. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally thanks to the Community Radio Network. I'm Michaela, and we just heard the song No, No, No by Radical Sun featuring Earth Boy and Trials. And now we'll go to an interview with Dr. Jim Green, National Anti-Nuclear Campaigner with Friends of the Earth. Jim, how are you going? Yeah, good, Michaela. How are you going? Excellent. And how's your year going so far? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting year for anti-nukes campaigners and I feel like we're on the front foot. Brilliant. I thought we could start um, by having a bit of a look at what the scenario is like internationally because I know you've just released the most recent nuclear monitor. Do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction on, on what that looks like? Yeah, the industry has taken some real hits just in the past few months. Uh, In January, uh, a Japanese company gave up building uh, uh, nuclear reactors in the UK, and that was significant because of the staggering subsidies that were on offer. The UK government was prepared to directly invest £5 billion into this project, which is about maybe 8 or uh, $9 billion Australian dollars. And they were prepared to guarantee all the loans so that the Japanese company Hitachi could easily get loans at good interest rates. And they were prepared to pay Hitachi a guaranteed amount for every unit of power produced by these reactors over the coming decades. But even with those staggering subsidies, Hitachi gave up on the project and went one step further and said they don't really want to build reactors at all. They want to get out of that business. And uh, there was a similar story late last year where another Japanese company, Toshiba, 
also gave up on plans to build reactors in the UK. And once again, there were massive subsidies on offer. And uh, a couple of months before that, uh, the only reactor construction project in the United States was almost abandoned, even though they've spent billions and billions on it. And, uh, uh, yeah, that almost collapsed. And the cost estimates for that reactor project have doubled uh, the current estimates are 28 billion US dollars, which is about 35 billion Australian dollars uh, for two reactors. So these are just obscene costs, and that just gives you a little window into how desperately troubled this industry is. Not only in these with these particular re- reactor projects, but all these companies really want to get it, get out of building reactors altogether. Mm. Is there any other industry that gets offered such heavy subsidies? Well, renewables have got significant subsidies. uh, But if we take the case of the UK, uh, those subsidies have inbuilt reductions so that the subsidies for renewables are already lower than those on offer for nuclear and also they've got a, a fairly tight time frame for renewable subsidies, whereas for nuclear, uh, the one project that is going ahead in the UK has got a guaranteed price, uh, guaranteed payment per unit of electricity uh, for 35 years from the start-up of the reactors. So uh, they go on for decades, and uh, the estimated total subsidies for uh, the one reactor project going on in the UK at the moment will be something like 30 billion euros over the coming decade. So once again, these are just incredible subsidies and incredible costs. And of course, the flip side of all that is that the costs of renewables are coming down so dramatically and the growth of renewables is equally dramatic. And we have absolutely well and truly passed the tipping point where uh, renewables are definitely cheaper than, than nuclear, and that's why nuclear is uh, in a world of pain, whereas renewables are growing at a, at a massive rate. And, yeah, that's the other point, like looking at those long-term costs. Um, there's not really any other industry that has such long-term costs to people and the environment and financially for looking after those long-lived wastes. Um, Maybe turning to that issue, what are things looking like on the radioactive waste front? Yeah, well, that's a big challenge for us here in Australia. I'm sure most of you listeners would be aware that there was a push to turn South Australia into the world's high-level nuclear waste dump a couple of years ago. And that was killed off, but, you know, refuses to die. It's a zombie project. So there are still people in South Australia promoting that idea. There was two reports in the space of a couple of weeks late last year uh, promoting that idea. But a more immediate threat is that the federal government is still targeting two communities in South Australia for a national nuclear waste dump. Uh, one of those sites is in Kimber on the Air Peninsula and the other is in the Flinders Ranges. And so that's where we'll be focusing most of our work this year. And traditional owners for both groups have initiated legal action to try to stop those uh, proposed dumps going ahead. Uh, but there's a lot of work to be done. And, of course, we've got the election coming up, which might or might not significantly change uh, the way those debates are playing out. But 
yeah, really important to to support traditional owners and other local community members who are who are fighting those dump plans. Mm-hmm. And has there been a court ruling on the um, Bangla traditional owners' challenge to the community ballot on the waste dump? Uh, not yet. Bangla traditional owners are uh, the traditional owners for the Kimber region, and um, as you say, they initiated legal action because they were excluded from uh, a so-called community ballot, which the government has initiated. Uh, and of course, there are good reasons for that. They say it's a, a breach of their rights under the uh, Racial Discrimination Act because historically, traditional owners were kicked off their land and dispossessed and dislocated and so it's unfair to exclude them just because they don't no longer live in the local area. Uh, the federal court held a one-day hearing just uh, a couple of days ago but um, there hasn't been a ruling by the by the judge on that case and we don't know how long that would take. I would guess it might take a few weeks but could conceivably drag on for a few months and uh, Abner Martin and traditional owners uh, who are responsible for the proposed dump site in the Flinders Ranges. They've also initiated legal action and theirs is broader. It covers that issue of being excluded from the so-called community ballot, but also the desecration of a a sacred site last year at the proposed dump site. So that will take some some months to resolve, I would imagine. Mm. Excellent. Well, we will be getting some more in detail update on that campaign, obviously, throughout the year. But um, what about um, uranium mining? What what are things looking like in South Australia on that front? Yeah, it's it's all pretty quiet. I mean, Olympic Dam is just such a difficult one. It's a mixed mine with copper and uranium and gold and silver. Uh, owned by BHP, which is such a powerful company and enjoys an extraordinary amount of bipartisan political support. So we keep a watching brief on Olympic Dam and do what we can, but there's no realistic prospects of stopping it in the near future. And the only other operating uranium mine anywhere in Australia is also in South Australia. That's the Beverly Four Mile uh, uranium mine in the east of the state operated by Heathgate Resources, which is a subsidiary of General Atomics. And uh, that's a a small mine. And we're here on the grapevine that it's in trouble and it would surprise no one if that was closed down in the near future. And up in the Northern Territory, there's the Ranger Uranium Mine, which uh, they stopped mining a couple of years ago. So at the moment, they're just processing stockpiled ore and planning the rehabilitation but in a nutshell, the, uh, because nuclear power around the world is in such a world of pain and because uh, nuclear power is really the only market for uranium, that means that uh, Australia's uranium industry and indeed the uranium industry all around the world is is in just as much trouble as nuclear power is. Mm. And, um, yeah, what would you recommend for people out there who are wondering what's the most important thing to do with the campaign around the country at the moment? Well, I guess it depends where people live. Uh, people are certainly very welcome to give us a phone call at the Friends of the Earth Anti-Nuclear Campaign and we can uh, discuss the different campaigns going on around Australia and where people might best plug into those campaigns. But... um. The nuclear waste dump campaigns, there's still a battle in Western Australia to prevent uranium mines starting up. 
Uh, there's still this looming zombie threat of high-level nuclear waste imports. Uh, so there's a range of issues, but, uh, you know, get informed, sign up for the uh, the email list for, for the Friends of the Earth Anti-Nuclear Campaign or give us a ring or send us an email and, uh, yeah, lot, lots to be done. Mm, fantastic. All right, well, thank you so much, Jim, for joining us on the Radioactive show today and we look forward to hearing more from you throughout the year. Thanks, Michaela. the Radioactive Show. We're produced in the studios of 3CR and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. And coming up now, we've got Sue Coleman-Hasselin, Kukathamola, and one of the long-time Australian Nuclear Free Alliance coaches. Uh, how are you doing, Annie Sue? Um, I'm good, thank you. How's how's things going over there for the start of the year for you? It's been hot. Well, it's been hot and cold, so, yeah. Yeah, so some pretty crazy weather. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And last year was a pretty big year for you, as usual. You've been travelling around doing some really important work on the Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty. Um do you want to tell us a little bit about where things are at with that at the moment? With the ICANN people? Mm. Um, well, we've got, I mean, we won the ban, but now we've got to get different governments. We still haven't got Australia to sign on, which is really bad news. I guess if they signed on, they'd have to stop supplying uranium to other countries, such as India. Um, they're still going, still battling along. And they're doing a good job, everybody. Sometimes I get a bit lazy, but... <laughs> That's fair enough. We'll still, we'll still keep going. And how are things um, looking for you locally with the campaigns around um, the mineral sands mining? Well, we haven't been doing too much with the mineral sands mining. We've been very worried about the Great Australian Bite. That's the oil drilling in the Great Australian Bite. Yeah. It, would, uh, this, it just seems like there's too many to be fighting all the time. But we still don't give up. We still keep coming back for more, trying to protect the country and people's lives. You know, the cancers around this place is just ridiculous. It's just like it's taking over. It's like a plague. Yeah. Just, and that, I'm still saying that's all from the Maralinga fallout. And, you know, the defects, birth defects in babies, is, it's, it's really sad. It's, you just don't know where it's going to end. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's one of those things about 
radioactive poisoning and the intergenerational impacts, um, mm. which, yeah, all, you oh, might have been really Im- <laughs> important in raising those issues locally and around the globe. It's very important, actually. And there's been, you know, there's a, the education, like, has, has gone globally, and it's been great. There's a lot more people come on board. But it's it's the leaders, the politicians, and, you know, the, the people who make the decisions that don't listen. Mm. Yeah. They just don't seem to care. They, they realise that without people, they, they don't have jobs or... They haven't got anybody to do their, their dirty work or anything, you know, if they're killing off all the people, which it seems to me is what's happening. Cancer's just, cancer's not not prejudiced. It doesn't care, it doesn't dis- discriminate. But you just don't hear of all the all the money people dying of cancer like you do the ordinary people on the street. It's, it's, it's really pretty cool. Awful, yeah. That's the thing. It's like when you've got all these... Um campaign fronts to fight on it's very difficult for people to do that when there's so much dealing with with illness and and death in the family well, just, just around Sejuma we've got the Maralinga fallout we've got mining on, on sacred sacred areas we've got the great Australian bite we've got the stupid healthy welfare card injury card which is crippling our people. You know, there's too many fronts, like you said. There's a lot of fronts, and it's usually the same people. There's a lot of lot of background support, but they're not stepping up front and and taking it on. You know, being seen and heard. It's gets pretty depressing sometimes. Mm. And so um, with the Great Australian Bite, where are things at at the moment? And I understand there's several companies that have got, um, who are applying to, to do the, the deep sea oil drilling there. Well, NOPSEMA, that's the um, environmental protection mob, supposed to be. Um, they've given the OK for seismic testing to go ahead in the Bight, in sections of the Bight, which is devastating because the seismic testing themselves are going to cause you know, death and whatever to the animals, uh, the sea creatures. Mm. That's, that's going to be devastating in itself. And it's not like if, if an oil rig does get put out there, it's not if we get a spill, it's actually when we get a spill. Our beautiful, pristine, great Australian bike coastline, plus right around up to Sydney Way too, I think, Tasmania will be all covered in oil. Yeah. Well, it does seem like the campaign's growing across the southern coast of um, the country. So, yeah, hopefully we can really, um, yeah, build that across the year. And unfortunately, we, we don't have time for much more discussion on today's show, but I'd love to get you back and we can talk about this a bit more extensively in the future. All right. Well, just a word to everybody that's, out there struggling. I know you're going to get tired, but just think of the kids' future and you'll find the energy somewhere to keep going. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show today. Okay, Michaela. Bye. Bye. That was Sue Coleman Hasseldean, Google the Muller representative and co-chair of the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance. And as she was talking about 
the campaign to protect the Great Australian Bight from oil drilling is at a really significant point. There's a Norwegian company, Stat Oil, that has taken over two exploration permits from BP and they're currently seeking approval to conduct exploratory drilling for oil in the Bight. So if that plan was approved by the regulatory body, NOPSEMA, they could start drilling 200 kilometres off the South Australian coast as early as the end of 2020. And BP had pulled out in 2016 after they released worst case oil spill modelling, showing that an oil spill could impact coastline from Western Australia through to Victoria and Tasmania. There are other companies that hold exploration rights for the Bite, Santos, Karoon Gas and Bite Petroleum, but they don't have any firm plans yet. And last year, oil company Chevron abandoned their interests in the region, citing low global oil prices. So you can go to the website fightforthebite.org.au um, and that's an alliance of groups that are working together to stop these projects. The Radioactive Show was produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the lands of the Wurundjeri and is broadcast nationally thanks to the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen back to this or previous shows, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email radioactive.3cr at gmail.com or you can visit our Facebook page, The Radioactive Show, and I'll put up links to the campaign websites and resources that we talked about today there. Thanks so much for listening and please tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. 